We've sung that verse before here, but uh, it's one way to share the gospel with somebody. You know, did you get the words when we sang them? Christ died for our sins, was buried in the grave. He arose from among dead men. Believe in him and you'll be saved by God's amazing grace. And so it's just the gospel as it is in 1 Corinthians. So anyway, I tend to use that verse a little on that. So, Okay, let's pray and move. Thank you, Father, for this opportunity again as we continue on. We're thankful that we have opportunity to do your will. But we're thankful most of all the result is your glory. We have that opportunity to be used of you as instruments of glory where people can see our Lord Jesus Christ and see eternal life and see the manifestation of the divine nature, see the evidence of the divine teacher of the Holy Spirit, and we appreciate how you have made arrangements so we don't have to do anything. And that's always an encouraging blessing. Guide us, we pray, as we continue to think in these things in Christ's name. Amen. Now, this is an overview of the conclusion that I didn't get to. I'm a, I, I, like I say, I don't have the same notes you do. Um, what I do with my notes, I might as well tell you. When I get my notes, I am running off of the screens. If you've done PowerPoint, you know how this works. And I put six to a page, and I put numbers on them so I have them in, in, in hand. And so uh, what I do, I put them in the notes, and I couldn't run the same notes because I didn't have time. <laughs> is what happened. So these are the three conclusions on message three. Uh, doing the will of God is what is what is doing what is well pleasing, and in Hebrews thirteen twenty one, and it's the best part of it is God makes the adjustments so we do His will. We don't make the adjustments. We don't do like that piece I read earlier in that the divine activity of the believer in doing. Uh, one's accountability to the standard of God's desirous will. You know, to see God's will and know it and direct, recognize the accountability that is there for the, the, uh, uh, the desirous will of God. Uh, doing one's own, uh, own will involves one's own pleasure, not God's pleasure. Makes you feel good when you think you're pleasing God. But they're dead points. They're not impressing anybody except you. And that's what this is about. The absence of conformity to God's will, the action taken in one's own self-interest, uh, possessing divine revelation of what God's will is in grace revelation so we can practice it. I mean, it's clear. It's not a guess. Knowing, I mean, the will of God is not a guess at all. And too many people say, will equals guess. And that's not the way Thelema is in that matter. And so I say, see the will of God chart in your notes and up here. And so uh, connecting the will of God presented by Paul. And it's interesting, the churches that are involved. Now, if you see what I've done up here, I did it, changed it just a little bit. Uh, the four passages we looked at were to the church at Colossae, a church where Paul had not been. The church in Thessalonica, a church where Paul wished he could have stayed. He would, I think Paul would have loved to have said in Thessaloniki, Thessalonica the rest of his life. The church in Ro churches in Rome 
in Romans 12. And then Paul talks about the church in Jerusalem in Hebrews. And so, you see, I just made my points, if you caught what I just did. Uh, living as a, a Christian believer priest illustrates how to please God. Those spiritual sacrifices. When you think at the end of a day and you say, how many sacrifices do I know that I offered to God and did I know I pleased him with? Service. It's priestly service. That's lotoreto. It's another verb. And uh, we are priests in the heavenly tabernacle. And uh, there's more material in the priesthood book. Okay, we're ready. Okay, now you have number four. And uh, we're going to have to move. Same slide except it says the glory of God. The idea of glorifying God. I read the verse and it's in these notes. I mean that poem. I do not know who did it. I looked it up several times and used different search engines in the internet and I couldn't find the author. And if you realize that's been 60 plus years ago. That I found it originally. And I, I mean I didn't. I mean, it's funny, it just kept raising its head over and over this uh, thing that we, uh, I read to you. And so this thing of being well-pleasing in his sight, to whom is glory forever and ever? Uh, I translated it instead of be, I translated it is. When I translated it is, I'm making it what's called an indicative mood, not a subjunctive mood. When it's be, it's maybe. And no, it should be is. Those verbal responses are that way, and... Uh, a lot of people don't know that, and it's really important to catch it uh, in that matter. Whoa. Okay, the conformity to God's desirous will brings God pleasure. We just talked about it. The content of God's desirous will brings God ple uh, pleasure to God. Christians can be doing things that please God. Christ is the agent by which they're done. Let me say this now, and don't get mad at me. One saint who is spiritual can do something that God counts as a sacrifice specifically. Let's just use the sacrifice of giving. And this saint puts money in the offering plate or whatever he does with it, or she does with it. And another saint can be carnal and put the same amount of money in the offering plate and it's not a sacrifice. God can't tell us that. And so you're joining a group of people and the more spiritual people are offering sacrifices, those that aren't, God doesn't count it as a sacrifice. Net result, he does not get glory from the carnal believer. Same thing. Same $5 bill, different serial number is all when we understand that. And so the connection between doing the will of God and glory, uh, desirous will of God involves all three persons of the Godhead. I've said that several times. I can't overemphasize it. I hope all of our guys that come out of seminary uh, pound that in people's heads because it's so important. I mean, this relationship we have isn't just Jesus Christ. That would be adequate. But it involves God the Father and God, God the Holy Spirit. I mean, that is so gracious on God's part that all three persons of the Godhead are active in the life of a saint. And uh, they receive glory from a Christian who... Uh, is doing what is well-pleasing to God. And that is very important. And so this glory is shared between the persons. 
And if you get become aware of it, you can start identifying how something that God leads you to do will glorify each individual person. That's a big blessing. And uh, so that's interesting. The person that got hair, head, share, if I can get my button pushed, uh, perfect eternal glory, the person that got head, share, in working glory in created beings. It's interesting, glory is important to creative beings more than it is to God. That glory, when he created beings, that is spirit beings, uh, before the creation of the universe, and human beings uh, related to Adam and Eve, with the Barak creation there, uh, it's really important we understand that uh, the persons corroborate uh, glory in their own individual works. Uh, where one person of the Godhead is, the other two persons are, and I said that before. Uh, to understand that. We have a relationship with the Godhead. Don't isolate on one person. Yes, there are verses that do, then you can. But don't forget the other two persons are always there. Right here in this room, we have three persons present of the Godhead. And guess what? They're all in temples. And you're a temple. And so they indwell believers. And that's a beautiful, beautiful idea and concept. And so um, they corroborate glory, and uh, that's what happens. Uh, the Christian can be an instrument for God's glory. I told you it was on Transparent. I just had the wrong one. You have that poem in those notes now. And I read it already. I don't think I need to read it again because I know you all remembered it <laughs> on that matter. Uh, but it was in, it's been interesting. Every time I think of that poem, you know, it's been a lot of years, and that poem just keeps reason, raising its head. Sometimes it'll be 10 or 15 years in between, and all of a sudden it's there. And it's kind of like God says, I want to remind you of what, uh, what I want from you. And so... Uh, I don't agree with every part of it. I don't like the theology in some of it, but it's, uh, oops, there we go. Um, and so the certainty that God is only worthy of his opinion of himself, that's something that's really important. Your concept of who God is will affect the way that he gets glory from you. You have to know theology proper. Uh, essence, attributes, nature. And to be able to grasp some of that. And you don't go in for a course and, and get it in uh, a weekend. I mean, you're in the Word of God, and if you get a good set of notes, it helps on theology proper. And you can respond in some beautiful ways, and you can see how God gets glory in His way, and, and you know that you can't, couldn't have done anything to get anything near that. That's beautiful when we think of it. And so the contradiction of the believer's life preventing God's glory. And that was that thing I read earlier. Contriving some way to please God. Human countering revealed uh, spirit produced pleasure to God. You know, I can do it better. You know anybody like that? Okay, reach in your purse and take out a mirror. Because we've all been there. We've all been there in that matter. The counteraction of glory provided by God. 
Now, who do you seek to please, God or man? I'm asking embarrassing questions with these headers. Who do you really seek to please? We live in a world system surrounded by every element you can imagine in the media, uh, in uh, electronics, uh, entertainment, amusements. All of those things are trying to distract you from God's glory. And when we understand that, how often have you been caught when you've been looking at something on TV or you see something and you're saying, man, that is affecting my spiritual life. Why am I looking at this or why is this happening? And then you say, okay, I better get something straightened out. And that's what we want. We want to give God glory on that matter. And so Romans 15.1 talks about we're not to please ourselves, but to please our neighbor. I'll have that up later. Who's my neighbor? Another believer. I'm talking about grace revelation. I'm not talking about law revelation. And Christ's example is there. And so um, to read Romans 15, we then who are strong ought to bear the uh, bear with the scruples. This is New King James. It's hard for me to read that. Uh, of the week but not to please ourselves you have all the liberty possible but you're not to please yourself using that liberty if it might cause a brother to stumble let each of us please his neighbor uh, for his good uh, leading to edification now this tells you that his neighbor is somebody who can be edified he's not talking about uh, your neighbor down the street you're talking about a believer my neighbor is a fellow believer and fellow believers uh, in that. And so, for even Christ did not please himself, but as it is written, the reproaches of those who reproached you uh, fell on me. And again, I have these things up here and there. There, and this is a rerun, so I won't worry about it. Um, Paul pleased all men in all ways. I don't like that verse. Maybe we should just take this transparent, I mean, this slide down. Now, this seems like it's a little bit too obligatory and something we need. He says, just as I also please all men in all things, there's our passwords, uh, not seeking my own profit, but the profit of many that they may be saved. And in that case, you can see it's unbelievers. Carefully, I mean, you don't compromise in your relationship to their unrighteousness. But what he's talking about, uh, you do what you are led to do in order to let an unbeliever know who Jesus Christ is and what he's done. And that's very, very, very important to us. Galatians 1.10, do we persuade men or God or men? Do we seek to please men? Uh, if we please, Paul says, if I just sought to please men, I would not be a bond slave of Christ. Galatians 1.10 and again, I'm not working off of the same page as you are. Uh, so you have to follow and uh, keep up with me. Uh, Galatians 1.10 says, for, I, for do I now seek to satisfy men or God? Or do I seek to please men? If I were yet pleasing men, I would not be Christ's bond slave. And I translated it off of Darby. And ESV talks about pleasing men. 
Uh, King James says to please men, and it's it's our word. Oops, get the right button. Aresco. Both of those happen to be the same root uh, in that matter. Oh boy. Okay. The position of Christian slaves and their masters. It says to please masters without argument. I'm not going to go to these passages. Christian slaves. They're to please their masters without arguing with them, without disputation in that. Not with eye service. Whoops. What am I doing? There we go. Not with eye service. That is a slave to what somebody sees as men pleasers, but as bond slaves of Christ. In your jobs... And unfortunately, I have memories of some of the jobs that I have done. And I saw how easy it was for some. If they heard the boss coming, they'd work. But if they didn't hear the boss coming, they would slough off. And that happened. (coughs) The sad part is it was Christians that did that. I worked in Montgomery Ward for 13 years. While I was in school, I mean, college and seminary. It was interesting, Bible college students sometimes worked in the same place, and some of them were doing eye service rather than men's and, and men service. And I always thought it was sad. We, as some, I mean, as fellow students, often would take somebody that was sloughing off, and we would go and admonish them and say, you know, go get a different job because you're ruining our testimony. And we did that. We didn't make a lot of happy, I mean, happy campers, but uh, we just said, you're ruining our testimony. And so go find a different job or shape up. Usually they left. And it was sad because, I mean, they were representing the Bible college and it was not right. Obey masters, not with eye services, men, man pleasers, with simplicity of heart, fearing God. It's not complicated. Simplicity of heart. Really very simple. See, I can never tell how these slides are going to come out in the, this, these rooms. Uh, the position of Christian slaves and their masters. Okay, we read that. Uh, Titus 2.9. Exhort bond slaves uh, to be obedient to their own masters. To be well-pleasing in all things. There's our well-pleasing. Bond slaves, Christian bond slaves should be pleasing those who they work for in all things, not answering back. I couldn't resist New King James, so I put it in there. Not answering back, no back talk on it. And again, it's amazing what that will do to a testimony of a believer on a job. And they talk back to him. I mean, unbelievers are unrighteous. They're unjust. And you want to say a lot of things to them. And it's not normal that the Holy Spirit says, say it, (laughs) on that matter. Okay, and what I did up here, you have our pleasing word here and here, and it says, to be, uh, with Ephesians 6, 6, not with eye service as men pleasers, but as servants of Christ, doing the will of God from the heart. All the earth, body, soul, and spirit, you're doing it because your soul is supporting it. Your spirit is. And you're doing it to please the Lord. 
I don't like to use anecdotal things, but how often have people worked for an employer that hated them, and in the end, that person that hated them got saved because of what's called a testimony. And Acts 1, 8, be a witness. Be a witness uh, in that. Okay. I'm not going to go back there. We already touched that. What is the attitude of the Christian concerning pleasing God? Endeavoring to be pleasing to him. The word endeavor is translated labor in the King James. Uh, It has the idea to be ambitious. And so what we have here is translated, have it our ambition, which is in the American standard. New King James says, make it our aim. So you have these translations. And the interesting thing to me is to be fond of honor. Is what that root is. You have a compound word uh, with that. Second Timothy 5.9. There's our fond of honor words I just touched. To be ambitious but to use one's utmost efforts. Eris, metal, indicative. Uh, being home, Wanting to be at home with the Lord or being away from home. And uh, we have, um, and I'm not going to pursue that further. Enduring hardness like a good soldier. 2 Timothy 2, 1 through 4. Thou therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. Be strong in grace. I like that. Because it's not your effort, it's grace. And so be strong in grace in all things that thou hast heard of me, uh, Timothy. Among many witnesses, the same commit thou to faithful men who shall be able to teach others also. Now therefore... Endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. No man that warreth entangleth himself with the affairs of this life that he may choose him who has made him a soldier. And so it's interesting. He uses an illustration of military and the obedience there. I've heard people want to make a believer a soldier every minute of his life and her life. No. We put on the armor when we are being attacked by Satan. But uh, we're not a soldier all the time. It's it's interesting, and I'm not going to say more about that. Um, 2 Timothy uh, 2, 1 through 4. Um, Be empowered by the grace. And I I just read that. Uh, Be sharing what you've been taught. And he says, no good soldiers caught up with the affairs of this life. When you're doing what you're supposed to be doing, you're not going to be so taken up with the affairs of this life that they distract from your being one who can bring glory to God. That's the easy part of it. That he may please the one. How does pleasing God relate to his glory? Okay, let's talk about glory. What is the definition of glory? Doxa is our Greek word. The word glory has the idea of God's opinion of himself. That's a simple definition. It also can mean a measure of his full, full it should be full weight. Uh, and so he has a reputation. Why does God need glory unless he has created beings? Think about that. Before he created the universe, yeah, he possessed the glory, but nobody saw it. Just between the persons of the Godhead. And so that's an interesting thing that we can be contributors to the glory of God to other created beings. 
by the grace of God. And that's the focus of uh, where we are here. That's glory. Strong believer versus a weak believer. It's interesting. It says, we then that are strong ought to bear the infirmities or weaknesses of the weak. It's kind of interesting. The same root is repeated. And not to please ourselves. When there's a weaker brother, we need to be wise in that matter. One day somebody told me that something that was going on in the church was going to stumble a brother. And I said, um, I must mean their weaker brother. Wasn't a smart thing to say. It almost cost me a friendship. Because I know that, I mean, I'm, I figured it out. I was calling somebody that was supposed to be a strong brother a weaker brother. And I didn't have it all put together. And I, I mean, I, I was really true what I said, but I wouldn't have done that normally because I didn't know who had said this. And it was told to me. Let every one of us please his neighbor, and that's where we talked about neighbor. Uh, for even Christ pleased not himself, but as it is written, written the reproaches uh, of them that reproach thee fell on me. Whoop. Okay. What I'm doing is dealing with some context here. Now, this again, word studies. I have passages in the context of this thing of pleasing that have glory of God. And so, I'm putting them together in kind of columns. Bear the weakness of the weaker brother instead of pleasing oneself. Each believer is to please his neighbor. Christ did not please himself. And then he goes on in verse 7 and says, Wherefore receive ye one another as Christ received us to the glory of God. Receive one another to the glory of God. That's interesting when you think about it. Some people I just, I mean, I get so unhappy with Christians that think any other Christian's a lesser Christian. Yeah, they can be carnal. But God doesn't see any Christians as lesser. It's called equal. We're equal in the body of Christ. And so to put down a believer, I mean, I know some pretty primitive kinds of believers. I've, <laughs> I had a lot of them growing up. And you know, it's interesting, some of those that I had the least respect for came through and were growing. And they got it. It took a little bit longer, but they got it. And so they had a measure of the spiritual life uh, in them, or within them. Even as I please all men in all things, not seeking my own profit, but the profit of many, that they may be saved. That's 1 Corinthians 10.33. Two verses before that it says, Whether therefore you eat or drink, or whatsoever you do, do all to the glory of God. Whatever you do, you want to bring God, and show his opinion of himself. Reflect his glory. And that's uh, very important. And it's in that context for pleasing. <coughs> Paul did not seek the glory of men. And this is uh, out of uh, 1 Thessalonians 2.4. But as we have been approved by God uh, to be entrusted with the gospel, even so we speak, not as pleasing men, but God who tests 
to test the, the validity, uh, to test the, uh, the uh, purity uh, of our hearts. And then right down in verse 6, two verses down, it says, Nor a man sought we glory. Go to man to seek glory. Too many people want to be glorified by man. Neither of you, nor yet others, when we might be burdensome as the apostles of Christ. He had every right to be supported by the church in Thessaloniki, Thessalonica. And he didn't. Uh, he supported himself there. And he just said, I didn't see glory. The implication is I sought glory from God. And that's a great implication when we understand that. Doing God's will brings glory. And you see we're overlapping some of these. Therefore by him let us therefore continually offer the sacrifice of praise. That is the fruit of our lips giving thanks to his name. That's a translation. Uh, it's literally uh, uh, confessing his name. But do not forget to do good and to share uh, and that's uh, koinonia, uh, for with such sacrifices God is well pleased. And then he goes down in verse 21, make you perfect, thoroughly adjust you, and that's where we've been. He will make the adjustment so that he can, we can be doing the things that are well pleasing to God. Bring him pleasure. How happy has God been with you today? You know, the pleasure part is something we often forget. What a privilege be in a position where the Holy Spirit can produce something in us that is acceptable to God and brings him glory. Okay, letter F. But I have all and abound, I am full, I, having received of Epaphroditus the things which were sent from you an odor of sweet smell, a sacrifice acceptable, well-pleasing to God, and there's our well-pleasing. And so in the end, two verses down, it says, Now unto God and our Father is glory, Forever and ever, amen. So you see, you have glory tied to these things and being well-pleasing. I mean, we've got a good collection of them. Oops. Now, the purpose. We're down to a place where we're talking about spiritual gifts. Okay. Sorry. If I don't look at this, I won't gauge my way out of here. Um, Saturday. Okay, I've got a lot of time. Or do I? Okay, I think I do. Half an hour. Okay. I can tell I'm getting old. I've been on my feet too long today. <laughs> Darby in his translation uh, says, Each according as he has received a gift... That's First uh, Peter 4.10. Why did I put Darby up here? Because he got it right. A gift. It's an arthritis. It doesn't have the gift. You know if it had a definite article in the Greek that every one of you would have the gift of pastor-teacher. Because I have the gift of pastor-teacher. I'm being a little sarcastic. In other words, if, if it said the gift, we'd all have the same spiritual gift. It's a quality of gift, and that's why I put uh, Darby up here. Uh, to, uh, and so, uh, a gift, ministering to one another. Ministering involves priestly ministry. Uh, like, as, mark of a simile, good stewards of the manifold or various grace of God. And so, 
like. That's a simile. It's not a, we are not stewards. Scripture does not say that a grace believer is a steward. Paul was, but we are not in that. And then it says, if anyone speak as the oracles of God, if one minister, these are kinds of spiritual gifts, as of strength which God supplies, that God may in all things be glorified through Jesus Christ, to whom is the glory and the might for the ages of the ages. Amen. You see, this thing of using spiritual gifts, whatever your spiritual gift is, if you do not know what your spiritual gift is, it's a real blessing when you find out. And it's not a bad idea to look through the list of gifts in what? Uh, Romans 12, 1 Corinthians 12, uh, Ephesians 4, and uh, look at First uh, Peter 4, where we are on this. Because it's through these gifts that God is glorified, whether it's a speaking gift, that's this one, or a ministering gift. But it says that God supplies, God in all things can be glorified for, through either a speaking or ministering gift. So that's uh, uh, interesting. In other words, your gift can be, bring glory to God and your use of it. And if your gift brings glory to God, he cannot help but be pleased. He can't help but be pleased. So if you want to please him, use your spiritual gift. Don't hide it. I've known people that have gone years and years and years and they are un- unwilling to admit their gift is their gift. And I always feel so sad for him because it's such a blessing to know your gift. And remember in this, it's a gift, which is a singular gift. We have one gift, not plural. I was in seminary chapel and the guy got up to preach and he didn't know what he was doing. And he said, fellas, I just found out I now have all of the permanent spiritual gifts. And when he did that, well, it became a humor hour. I mean, everybody was trying to keep from laughing at him because he was so ignorant. And I, uh, there were faculty members, I think some of them turned green uh, with it because it was so absurd uh, in that matter. Types, power, and purposes, spiritual gifts. Speaking and ministering. It's interesting you have general categories for gifts. Speaking gifts, pastor-teacher, teacher, uh, exhortation at least. Uh, some will take others. Uh, ministry, obviously helps in ministry. Uh, and I'm not going to go through that list. Uh, but they are, these are types of gifts. And they are in, I mean, the same power activates every one of the gifts, whether you're a ministry <coughs> gift or a speaking gift. Same power, same dunamis, same dynamite. The purpose of spiritual gifts is so that God may be glorified. When somebody uses a gift, it's not to glorify the person with the gift. It's to glorify the God who gave the gift. So you have that unique privilege of doing that very thing. You may be glorified through the agency of Jesus Christ. That was supposed to be Greek, but it wasn't. Dia is uh, through the agency of. To him is glory and the power into the ages of the ages. I like that ending because it tells me that gifts are mighty important. I'm not talking about tongues and all of that stuff. 
provision of the glory of God in difficulty. First Peter chapter 4 says, If you be reproached in the name of Christ, happy are ye. I made a note here, happy ones, it's a masculine plural noun, are ye. For the spirit of glory and of God rests upon you. On their part he is evil spoken of, but on your part he is glorified. The thing of glory. You please God, you glorify him. You show his opinion of himself. It can be his opinion through you. It can be his opinion through how you're functioning uh, in that matter. Then the prospect of the goal for glory and the provision uh, of the gifts. Uh, wherefore also we pray always for you. Now again, uh, when we deal with this word pray, it's prosukamai. It's a verb which means to worship. Repeat back to God that was what he said about himself. Well, always, whoops, wrong button. Um, and so, where was I here? Um, pray always for you that our God, and the, the for you is a preposition that tells us more than worship. It's accompanied. I did a whole paper on that about 20 years ago. Uh, and how that works. And uh, that he might count you worthy of his calling, fulfill all the good pleasure of his goodness. Sounds like decree. Uh, and the work of faith with power that the name of our Lord Jesus Christ may be glorified in you, you in him, according to the grace of our God and the Lord Jesus Christ. And there you have the two sides of in. In Christ and Christ in you. So you have that opportunity. That's all grace. You're equipped because you're in Christ and Christ is in you. Why do you want to dream up something to please God? When in Christ you can't get better pleasure than is there. And he gets the glory. It's not normal for a lot of human beings. There are a lot of churches today that are trying to get people to uh, act in a way that they please God in their behavior. Ask them when they take up an offering. Uh, We know what that is. Okay, conclusion. Human plans to please God deceive Christians. In other words, they fake you out. They deceive Christians. Um, And so, you have standards versus God's standards, and you're not going to please them with human standards. Can't happen. It won't happen. And then carnal standards for personal gratification. There's absolutely no pleasure on God's part. Do you remember, here I'm adding some material, do you remember that the works of the flesh include religious works of the flesh? Religious works of the flesh, religious superstitious awe, idolatry are a couple of them. And that's what we're we're talking about here is the, uh, if you're carnal and you're trying to, I mean, religious superstitious awe, I can I could illustrate that I think for an hour, but I'm not going to even touch it. World system standards substitute for divine pleasure. Oh, God is going to bless you because He's going to give you. You can't outgive God. You just keep giving, and He's going to get. You can't outgive Him. It's kind of funny how many people have ever had that really true. You can't outgive God. That's you know your. Success uh, promoting uh, individuals, you can't outgive God. 
Human imagination produces false standards for glorifying the Godhead. Walk into the door of any hoi polloi church and you're going to find false standards. That's what's going to happen. You walk in and they have false standards. And they'll be just perfectly happy with you if you stop and get a cup of Starbucks on the way through. And you, some of you know what I'm talking about when I say that. Um, in that when God works in and through human believers, he is glorified. And so he's the one that does the work. That's what we're trying to say in this whole four messages. He's glorified. Often, whoops, wrong button. Uh, often Christians prefer to please man rather than God. I mean, that is just so common. I am so grateful. I don't need to go to the laboratory of the Hoi Polloi Church. When I say Hoi Polloi, you know what I'm talking about. The run-of-the-mill church. I mean... It's just the, the mob kind of church. And, um, I mean, they just as soon walk in that door and think they're pleasing God and be happy and go home or go out to lunch. You know. The primary goal for the Christian life is to please God when he glorifies himself in and through us. That is the primary goal. God is glorified and pleased when a believer is energized by the Godhead to do the works that are marked out by God. You very familiar with this verse that I have up here? It's not in your notes. It's a verse we all ought to have mastered. Because it says, For we are his workmanship, his poema. Sounds like poem, doesn't it? It's from the word poiel. We are his doing, his workmanship. Uh, created in Christ Jesus. Created means just that. Created out of nothing. When you became part of the body of Christ, you came from nowhere to be able there. On it. Created in Christ Jesus unto good works which God hath before ordained, marked off beforehand. He wants to get glory. He's given you works already. You know, it's kind of interesting when you realize it, if Christ doesn't come back this afternoon and you go home to glory, God has seen you as having done your life's good work and what's been marked off. It's the end. I'm always intrigued, I think often, uh, and I have for 20 years, what my wife's last good work was. I mean, it goes through my mind over and over. Uh, because when she died, uh, I just, what did God count as a good work? I may sound a little selfish. I wondered if it had something to do with me. I was with her when it happened, I'm sure. Whatever good work. And I'm always blessed by thinking of those things. He marked it out beforehand that we should walk in them. We walk in the cage and we walk in the bounds and we walk in those good works. And as a result, uh, God is glorified. And uh, so, that's the end. Uh, 15 minutes for questions. Anybody have a question? It wasn't that good. 
Okay, Father, may you bless us as we continue in the time of fellowship. We pray that, that you will accept the sacrifices of fellowship as we adjourn. And may it be a time where you're really well pleased with all of us here. And we'll thank you in Christ's name. Amen.